Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Monica Kaufman Pearson, our moderator. Thank you, Stan. We have a great panel for you today, so I'm going to get started. This is an event that is extremely important for all of us to see where we are going. So I'll start out with the leaf that's on the stem of all the roses you will see on the stage today. He is Andre Dickens, the 61st mayor of the city of Atlanta. Come on up, mayor. Not only is he a former city council member serving for eight years on the city council of Atlanta, where he was served as chairperson of the transportation committee. He is an entrepreneur co-founding city living home furnishings. He ran that company for nine years. He earned his chemical engineering degree from Georgia Tech. He's a dad, a deacon, and he believes in moving Atlanta forward. Mayor Dickens. Our next panel member, you know her very well. Come on down, Nicole Love Hendrickson. She is the preeminent chairwoman of the Gwinnett County Board of Commissioners. She is the first African-American to be elected to that post, but she's also the first Gwinnett chair to host the county's LGBTQ plus Pride Month, and she recognized Juneteenth as a paid county holiday. And she's also served as Gwinnett's first community outreach director. She's a native of Rhode Island, although now she's definitely a Georgia peach. And she has a degree in psychology and a master of social work from UGA. Go. Nicole Love Hendrickson. <laughs> Our last panelist is Anna Roach. Come on down, Anna. Anna is the executive director and chief executive officer for the Atlanta Regional Commission. She engages with elected and appointed officials on the federal, state, and local levels developing policies. She earned her bachelor's degree in political science from the State University of New York College at Cortland. She has a Juris Doctor from St. John's University, and before joining ARC, she was the Chief Operating Officer and Chief Strategy Officer for Fulton County, Anna Roach. Now, I'm gonna take a moment of personal pride, and I'm, and I'm not gonna tear up. When I moved to Metro Atlanta 48 years ago, I would have never imagined what we see on this stage today. And it would not have been possible without people like you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Now that's it for me. That was my commercial <laughs> for Gwinnett County. So we're going to start out talking about, from each of you, what do you think is the biggest challenge we face today in the metro area? And we want to include the region, metro Atlanta area that it represents. So what do you all think is the biggest challenge, Mayor? Or, no, oh, you're going to turn it all over to ARC. To okay, go on. I, well, I, I, let's go with Gwinnett, since this is, we're in Gwinnett. 
Well, I, first I want to say thank you, and thank you all for giving such a warm welcome, a warm Gwinnett welcome to our guests who have traveled from outside of the county. So I just want to say, join me in thanking them for traveling all the way to Gwinnett County. We packed a lunch. Absolutely. <laughs> and, and so I, I would first start by saying that Gwinnett County is the second largest, most populous county in the state of Georgia. And we are continuing to be the fastest growing county in the 11 metro region. And growth continues to be a big challenge, not only for Gwinnett County, but for much of the region. We are also the most diverse county in the state of Georgia and the, the most diverse county in the entire Southeast, which means that not only do we have the unique challenges faced by the growth in sheer numbers when it relates to infrastructure, planning for that growth, mobility, housing, but we also have challenges with a population that continues to diversify and has unique needs with language barriers. We have an 80.9% diversity index, which means that two people can meet at random at any given time, and there's an 80.9% chance that they will be of a different race or ethnicity. In our population, we have more than 25% is foreign born, and about 35% speak an a language other than English. So we have unique needs to address the growing challenges that come with just the sheer numbers of growth, but also being able to adequately serve a very diverse electorate when they have those unique needs and challenges. We also have to make sure that we have the workforce and county government, because we're an essential service. We cannot stop our operations at any given time, and we need to make sure that we have the workforce that is ready to go um, to meet the demands of population growth, that we have enough fire stations, we have enough police officers, we have enough recreation facilities, we're maintaining our roads and infrastructure and so much more. Yeah, I, I think that's a, a, a brilliant, brilliant response. And I'm gonna build on what the chairwoman uh, so eloquently uh, started in her remarks is that uh, Metro Atlanta is growing. Um, by 2050, we'll add 1.2 million people to our region. Uh, that's an incredible amount of growth that needs to be absorbed by this region. Uh, we are a little bit of a victim of our own success, right? Because we are uh, economically thriving as a region, and because we are thriving economically, the migration to the Metro Atlanta region continues to happen uh, at a pace that continues to surprise all of us. Um, I do think that in addition to us growing in diversity, again, like the chairwoman said, uh, one of the biggest challenges, to answer your question, that that growth poses uh, is the fact that it is coming along with um, an increase in um, the price of our housing. And so we've seen that increase, if you think about it in the context of rental uh, income, the pace of rental uh, units or the price of rental units is fast outpacing the growth in wages. Um, and at the Atlanta Regional Commission, we are looking at the growth and the cost of housing very closely because, you know, affordability has historically been one of our attracting factors. We want 
that migration to continue. We want our region to grow. Um, but if we don't address uh, affordability of our housing, and I'm not talking about necessarily very, very low income housing. I'm talking about plain language, your children have graduated from college, they'd like to move back and live close to their parents in Metro Atlanta, and they're unable to uh, afford to do so. Uh, over the last several years, we've seen the number of housing units that are uh, $1,500, we've lost about 100,000 of those units in the last few years. Um, so we can't continue uh, at the pace that we are seeing affordability erode in Metro Atlanta, because it's also eroding our, our competitive advantage. And so all of the things that attract people to Metro Atlanta are at risk if we don't address the housing issue. Um, so it exists in the rental market, but it is equally challenging in the home purchase market as well. So Monica, I'd say that the biggest challenge, the thing we wake up and think about uh, quite a bit at the Atlanta Regional Commission uh, is this continued housing affordability challenge. We are working on it. Uh, our Metro Atlanta housing strategy uh, is a resource that we have provided for each of our member jurisdiction communities. And it's unique because all of you sitting in here know that what affordability means for Gwinnett is very different than what affordability means for the city of Atlanta, Henry County, who's, who's here uh, today and the like. And so what this resource does is builds a profile for each community so that you could first understand what affordability means for each community and then build a solution um, that's commensurate with that as well. So that's the biggest challenge. We're working on it, but we need to continue to work on it uh, in order for us to move forward as a region. And one of your four things you worry about and work on is affordability in housing, but what do you see in the city of Atlanta as the biggest challenge? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, both of them are uh, uh, just right in what they're saying. I think they have hit it on the head. We are becoming a victim of our own success. And Atlanta has grown. I were, uh, you were talking about 48 years ago, um, I was one years old then. And um, these two weren't even thought about. They were just... <laughs> But back then, the sign on the Darlington uh, would say 1.8 million people in the metro area region. Now we're 6 million people. In my lifetime, we have grown by that much in that short amount of time. So the success that we see when people like Money Magazine says Atlanta's the best city in the country to live, Bloomberg says Atlanta has more going forward than any other place in the United States. This is the best place to uh, start your career, best place for Generation Z. They're talking about the region. And that's why I'm up here in Gwinnett today. We're talking about partnership, collaboration. They, they, they love their mayor in Atlanta. <laughs> but we, we know that when the statistics come out, it's about the region of Atlanta that people find valuable. They find us enjoyable, pleasant, but they also know that we're becoming victims of our own success, as was, as was mentioned. We are having challenges with balancing our growth. There are individuals that are thriving, and then now there's more and more individuals that aren't and we are interfacing with one another in a way that is becoming challenging, where you have so many haves and so many have-nots, and have-nots are being produced every day because they're being outpaced. When you have more month than money, 
your decision making changes and the amount of decisions that you have at your disposal becomes less and less. You start making choices of medicine, of childcare, or housing. Can you go back to school to get more? Well, I don't have you know a thousand dollars for that course because I got to put it in medicine or housing or utilities or something else. And so the challenge is how do we balance out this growth? Get some upward mobility, train people in high demand careers so that they can have a 70, 80, $100,000 job that can then pay for housing. So we have to build more housing, just housing period at all levels from affordable to moderate to at, at you know, whatever scale, just build more places for people to live so that then the supply can keep up with the demand. We are attractive. People all over the world want a piece of what we have built together and what we enjoy. The challenge is those individuals that aren't able to keep up in society here are feeling the brunt of that. As I say, they have more month than money. The last thing I'll say on top of that is uh, transportation, uh, connectivity. Uh, we all are you know, challenged with Atlanta traffic and uh, the ability to get from A to B in a predictable amount of time and a amount of time that keeps your productivity for your employees. When we have people driving an hour and a half to teach in our schools, that teacher's performance is, you know, an hour and 20 minutes to get to Atlanta public schools and then an hour and 20 minutes back home. Her life or his life is impacted in how they're going to train your child. And so I say we're a victim of our own success. We gotta increase our public transit options for the region and um, you know, provide more opportunities for people to live in the region, to live, work, and play in Gwinnett or live, work, and play in Atlanta or be able to get between Atlanta and Gwinnett with less difficulty and less traffic and more predictability. And so uh, as we are victims of our own success, to solve for that is why we work regionally on these challenges with Henry County over there and Douglas County, I thought I saw somebody, and so in Gwinnett and Atlanta. Well, since you brought it up, let's just move straight to the elephant in the room. That's transit. <laughs> Did I start something? <laughs> Did I do that? <laughs> but no, that is a serious issue, not just for Gwinnett, not just from, for Atlanta, but all over the region. What is the solution? The solution is we have to make sure that we are prioritizing a multitude of mobility options, uh, and those options must include transit. Um, I work very, very closely uh, with our partners at the Georgia Department of Transportation, and I think I'm going to steal this quote from someone I bumped into outside. They can't build enough roads for the pace of growth in Metro Atlanta. Uh, we are gonna continue to build roads. We have one of the best DOTs in the nation. They're gonna continue to do what they do. Um, but that cannot be the thing that we rely on to move people from one place to the next in Metro Atlanta. We have to build more trails. Uh, Gwinnett uh, and the city of Atlanta are leading uh, in that regard in many ways. And we have to think about trails now uh, not just as a nice to have in our community, but putting them uh, in that mobility mix. You, trails have to be used to get people from one place uh, to another, to employment centers. And again, in the mix has to be the discussion about how we are going to 
carry more people uh, at one time outside of a single vehicle, and that, and that is transit. It is sort of the definition of transit. Now, now how you do it, whether it's bus rapid transit um, or, or any other mode, we can, we can always discuss, but if we do not get serious about adding transit as a part of our mobility option, you know, we talked in the previous question about being able to responsibly absorb that growth. That's part of the plan to responsibly absorb that growth. Chairwoman? And, and I saved talking about that because I knew that question was coming up. And I'm, I'm extremely proud and excited to, to share that the Board of Commissioners just two weeks ago approved a historic $17 billion transit development plan. And so what that does... For the whole for applause, right? <laughs> Thank you. So what that does truly speaks to what Anna just said, is creating mobility for all and ensuring that people not only can get around Gwinnett, but also connect to the region. Because I bet every single person in this room has traveled to Atlanta whether it be for jobs, school, going to the airport, traveling for entertainment. We're still trying to get a nightlife out here, but until then, we're going to Atlanta for that. But we recognize the importance of con regional connectivity, and what the $17 billion plan does is create a multitude of options to get around. So we have microtransit, which is already starting to roll out in some of our cities. A shout out to Snellville and uh, some of the other areas that will, Lawrenceville and some of the other areas that will soon get microtransit, which is on-demand um, uh, ride-share program similar to an Uber or Lyft where you can, by the way, everyone get out your phones and download the Ride Gwinnett app now because you can schedule a pickup in those ride share zones to get to and from your location. We also have rapid ride. We also have an airport ride that's built into the system and that's a, a much anticipated project because we recognize that people want to get to the airport but now even parking at the airport is a challenge. And it's only $3, $3 each way for, for our microtransit. Yes, so affordable mobility options as well. We also expanded transit, our local bus route, from five days to seven days, which is extremely significant when you talk about the, the workforce that works in the retail industry and ensuring that they have access to those um, mobility options on, on Saturdays and Sundays. We recognize the value of that. So I'm really excited about the, the future of transit in Gwinnett County. The Board of Commissioners will soon have to make a decision of how we fund it, because $17 billion is a lot of money, and we don't have a dedicated funding source, or TSPLOST, for our transit uh, uh, efforts. And if we're able to scale our trans transit options, and, and be able to fund it, we can ensure that every single corner of Gwinnett County is served by some mode of transit in one form or another within the next five years. And so it's a very aggressive and progressive plan, but we believe in it. This is bold leadership. I give a shout out to our transportation department and our leaders. It took 18 months 
to get to this point because we really wanted to start from the ground up in building something that speaks to the current and true needs of our residents in Gwinnett County. It's something that everyone can get behind and get excited about. And so I'm, I'm really excited and what that means because mo transit mobility also equals to economic mobility. And uh, there's so many benefits and advantages to having a robust transit system in our community. So I'm excited about that. Mayor? I love good leadership. And it shows when this county leader and the board makes quality decisions such as that to spend money to give people opportunities to be connected, to get to opportunities, to get to work, to get to you know, school, to get to medical facilities, et cetera. Uh, that's gonna be a game changer, and I'm proud of you all for making that decision. Going back to our example of what was 48 years ago, Sam Marcel, um, a little over 48 years ago, was the mayor, and it, it was a hard job selling MARTA at first, and it passed. And that was a hard job to get people to agree to public transit in the South. That was 50, slightly over 50 years ago, when we still have the same difficulty making certain decisions. After so many other decisions have been made in 50 years, you think about what that, what that means. And so now I'm proud that you know, we're gonna be making a wise decision in the region and Gwinnett is taking the lead as the next uh, county to look at, you know, uh, adding to your public transit and then others will follow. And so we won't be 100 years from now <laughs> talking about how do we get transit and get us connected because it was a difficult decision. It had various tones to it and those tones don't need to reappear. Now we need to be talking about the opportunities that come with transit. So what are the areas working on together in terms of transit, housing, homelessness? What are the plans for that, for the region? Um, I think I can speak to a couple of projects that do take a regional approach to transportation investment. Um, we have worked with the communities at the top end of 285. Um, in collaboration with the Georgia DOT, who has plans to implement managed lanes uh, on the corridor starting halfway down 285 in the cab on the east side, coming all the way on, on to the top end. But the collaboration that it took uh, for those mayors, uh, city council people, as well as county commissioners to come together and say, well, while you're building that road and while you're gonna put managed lanes on it, we would like for you to build it in such a way that enables us to uh, put transit on it as well. And to have that conversation happen at the beginning rather than try to retrofit it at the end was a game changer uh, for us. Um, BRT is also anticipated on uh, the in the same model on 400, going across multiple jurisdictions uh, on that side uh, uh, of, the, of the road improvement as well. So that is another example uh, of communities coming together, um, endorsing road improvements, but also insisting on transit as a component of it as well. And, and to piggyback off of that, we, the, the four count major counties in the city of Atlanta also signed a historic MOU for the Top End 285 project to ensure that we're addressing infrastructure capacity 
because we recognize that all of our cons all of our stakeholders travel that corridor. It's a heavily traveled corridor. You travel down 285, you know no matter what time of day, it is gridlocked. And although 285 does not sit directly in the county of Gwinnett, a, a large share of our population travels that corridor, as I've stated before, education, jobs, uh, airport, and we recognize that this this was much needed to leverage some of the investments that came down from the American Rescue Plan Act and how can we share these resources that are gonna benefit the region. And so this is not about what am I doing in Gwinnett County, but how can I be a part of the regional solution? And so that was one of the um, joint efforts that I was proud to ch help champion. Um, so it was, it was Gwinnett, Fulton, um, Cobb to Cab in the city of Atlanta. So let's talk about, I, I drive an electric vehicle, a Ford Mustang Mach-E, and more and more people are buying electric vehicles, which then brings up the question of the fuel tax, because we're not using fuel. <laughs> so with more and more electrical vehicles on the road, how will we procure funds to make sure we keep our roads in good condition. So I'll uh, share that um, I have an electric vehicle also. I drive a Rivian and uh, well actually they, I can drive it but they, they, they drive me in it. Uh, the, the, the mayor's executive vehicle is a Rivian now and that was us saying that we want to make our fleet more and more electric so we have a large number of our feet, uh, fleet turning over to become electric um, whether that's our parks and rec vehicles or planning department driving around to various sites we're using electric vehicles everywhere we can uh, even at the airport some of the buses are electric vehicles and, and, and Atlanta Public Schools got a grant to uh, go electric on some of their school buses so electrification is coming um, and that's a way to of course for our carbon footprint and our environment but also, you know, trying to save costs and, and increase jobs. But you're right, there is a challenge with that because the gas tax helps to pay for our DOT, our roads, the, the bridges and sidewalks and those things get funded by those. So how do you get money out of the electric vehicles? Well, they passed a bill at the state legislature to increase the um, tax on the vehicle registration for electric vehicles. So now Georgia electric vehicles are the highest, uh, has the highest <laughs> registration in the nation. Uh, the lawmakers say that everybody else is going to catch up the Georgia's lead on that. But uh, that poses, you know, some benefits and some challenges as we're trying to have equality and equity in the electric vehicle space. The more you charge electric vehicle um, operators or people trying to buy electric vehicles, the more you price out individuals of lower income. And therefore, then, where do you put electric charging stations? You start making critical decisions about where you place this type of infrastructure. And so then, if you don't have electric charging stations in lower income communities, they're going to be less likely to buy an electric vehicle. And so it's a vicious cycle, it's a cat and mouse game. And so what we're doing in the city of Atlanta is just making it clear that we're gonna make investments across the board. So our parks and recreation uh, places will have 
vehicle charging stations, City Hall, our, our, even we now have in our uh, affordable housing developments, there will be uh, electric charging stations throughout those as well as other uh, municipal owned properties. Um, there's a tax associated with, uh, they're try I think they're looking at a tax or they have a tax already with the electric charging, um, uh, the electric charging stations, a little portion of that going towards the roads. I think the balance is how to make sure that it, we get what we need because we do Electric vehicles are on the road, so they need to contribute to the road maintenance, um, but how do we do so fairly so that everybody participate at an e even level so that somebody's not carrying somebody else's load? Because we are, I mean, there's whole manufacturing companies that say their, their, their 2030 goal is to be almost 100% electric. There are, you know, your Ubers and Lyfts, eventually they're going to be 100% electric. There, there's, there's on and on. This is going to happen, so we just need to be ahead of it. And Georgia is, we have the electric battery production plants here and the electric vehicle plants here. And so this is workforce development, as we talked about. We need to be training mechanics now to be electricians and mechanics. Uh, so I see the positive in it, but you're right. There's a challenge with it um, as we go down the path of um, how do you manage all of the maintenance operations and trying to make sure that people, because there's not really a resale market right now. All the electric vehicles that people bought are actually still operating. So how do you get this cost lower? And so the Biden administration did do a good thing with a great tax incentive um, to be able to lower the cost of buying a new electric vehicle. And we'll see how that carries out further. But I'm, I'm excited. I love my car. It, it, it goes. It goes. Looks good. Don't use gas, so straight. <laughs> you, you said your electric car, your executive car. Yeah, the city is electrified. So we have a. We right, have I'm a, looking at my fleet director, <laughs> services director over there. We need, we need electrification of the chairwoman's executive ride. There you go. <laughs> Hook it up. So let's talk about but that yes. for the region, and then I'll come back to you, Madam Chairwoman. Um, I, I, I do think it's a very interesting question. I'm trying, I was, as the mayor was speaking, I was sitting here thinking about how I'm going to say my answer diplomatically enough for everybody to sort of understand what I'm saying and don't misconstrue it. I think as we um, consider the cost of maintaining our roads uh, and the existing source of revenue to be able to do that, and as we contemplate how we're going to incorporate a source of revenue from electric vehicles to be able to contribute to that, I think we ought to think about the benefit of electric vehicles uh, in all its contexts, right? Uh, yes, it is uh, now a road user, like a, a combustion en engine vehicle, but it also provides benefits to the environment that I'm not sure we're, uh, we're capturing um, in the conversation about um, how we help to pay for the roads, right? And so you, you really do have to balance consideration about the benefit that the electric vehicle is providing to the community, to the state, to uh, the environment. Uh, when you talk about its share of needing to contribute to uh, the revenue needed to maintain the roads. I do agree uh, with everything that the mayor said. I just hope that we think about, it's funny because at the Atlanta Regional Commission, we don't have the luxury of just thinking about the cost to maintain the road. We have to think about that. We have to think about the environment. We have to think about in our federal mandate, housing and the like. And so when you have to think about those things in multiple contexts, it just forces us to consider it one step further than simply 
this costs this and we need to find money to pay for it, right? So I just encourage everybody to think about what are those benefits that we're not considering or calculating for the implementation and the adoption of the use of electric vehicles as a part of the equation uh, when we consider how much we will tax it, for lack of a better word, in order to help pay for the maintenance of the roads. CEO Roach, you'd make a great politician. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Anna for 2024. <laughs> Isn't that right? And I agree with everything that's already been said. And the Gwinnett County Board of Commissioners are constantly planning for the future. And EV is always tied to that equation. We're, I'm very grateful for our citizens who have repeatedly approved the special purpose local option sales tax, which does allow us to fund infrastructure, and EV will be part of that um, solution. But one thing that the mayor pointed out was the workforce. You know, as we prepare for this EV rollout and the future of electrification, we need to have the workforce that's in place that are going to be maintaining charging stations and uh, maintenance of, of the roads and, and things like that. And I'm grateful that we have organizations as well as institutions that are addressing that. And I give a shout out to Gwinnett Technical College. Um, I see you, Melvin, uh, because he's always like, you need to talk about Gwinnett Tech whenever you get a chance. So here's my, <laughs> my shout out to Melvin and Gwinnett Tech and having these conversations with Dr. Cannon about who's the president of, of Gwinnett Tech and how do we work together to address the future of the industry that's coming here. Uh, there are so many industries that we're preparing the workforce for but that EV is, is going to be uh, the new industry that we're going to find is uh, what we're intentionally addressing. When we're bringing businesses in, a lot of times we're giving them tax breaks and some people look at it as though, what are you doing? You're giving away money. So how do you and how comfortable are you with the return of investment that comes from giving a company? A tax break to come into your area. <laughs> Anna was uh, Anna 2024 put a mic down. <laughs> That's for these two. <laughs> that is a. I mean, you have to go into those negotiations very soberly and not get excited about the new logo that's going to be on a building downtown. Even though you want the new logo on a building downtown showing proof of life that this city or this region is thriving. You want that amazing credibility that they chose you. But they have to choose you in a way that's beneficial to you as the city. How is it beneficial to the people? Are they going to import all their talent from the city that they're leaving from? They're coming from the West Coast or they're coming from you know, the Northeast and it's too expensive. So they're saying, I'm coming to Atlanta if you can make the price right. Well, we will make the price right if you hire people locally, you have training for people locally, you uh, make an investment in our local economy in a way that we know we will be able to get this return. So return on investment is really numerical, it's empirical. We have to look at the data and we have to calculate the jobs, the value of those jobs, the, 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 the opportunity that comes with it. If you're bringing a thousand jobs, if you're you know, a company that's going to have a thousand jobs here, but you know, 750 of them is really a relocation from Chicago or from New York or from LA, 
we're going to look at that and do the math, and we might offer you a substantially lot less than what you were, you know, originally asking for, because we have to be responsible to the public, because the people are always asking for something. They want, they, they want something all the time, and so you give the new logo, the big headquarters, something, and nobody in your community gets those jobs, and they just literally drive by these places, and it's just a bunch of people in there that they don't know, they don't have any connection to, and oh by the way, those people came into these communities and bought all the nice houses, and now we got gentrification happening as a result of this great logo, you know, it, it, it upsets the apple cart. And so we have to make sure we go into it very soberly. Um, so yes, downtown looks phenomenal with all these new companies coming in, but we make business decisions that are economic decisions that thrive all the way down, that, that go all the way down the community level to see how are you going to participate as a community partner? Because then when Anna 2024 and Dre 2020, Andre 2020, whatever, we all show up at the polls, people are going to be like, what have you done for me as a voter, not for, you know, Fortune 500 company that got a, you know, million dollar tax break from you and, and that didn't benefit anybody that I knew. So we have to enter to, to, into those things very, yeah. very real. And I wholeheartedly agree with the mayor and I wouldn't call it a tax break or giving away money. It truly is an investment, and I, you know, I'm grateful for our partners at Partnership Gwinnett, as well as our internal economic development team that works to recruit, attract, retain the businesses that we, we want to bring jobs to Gwinnett County, because it is about the value of what they bring in turn um, of that uh, tax incentive. We have a number of economic development projects, such as our in, uh, the expansion of Intuitive coming into Gwinnett County, bringing high-paying, quality jobs. But in turn, they're bringing millions of dollars in investments, and, and not only just with the jobs, the sheer number of jobs that they're creating, but we're talking about adding new funds to our tax digest, which in turn supports economic activity and our schools. Two-thirds of the bulk of our, our taxes support thriving schools, and we need to con constantly evaluate the types of businesses that we're bringing to Gwinnett. What is the return on the investment? How is that going to return into services, um, uh, dollars that will impact quality of life, housing affordability, transit, um, parks and recreation, our schools. So it's, it's a bigger picture than we're just giving money away to these businesses. It really is looking at the value that they bring to our community and what that means for residents. And we, that's how we need to be communicating that. Um, and when Anna 2024, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, we, we get uh, good folks elected um, to positions Economic development needs to be top of the conversation, and you can build the economic case for almost any area, whether it's parks and recreation, people want to live around parks. In fact, the value of your home increases when you have a close proximity to parks. People want to live in safe communities. That the, the relationship between safe communities and economic stability is interlocked. People want to have a robust transit system. People want to have shops and dining, all of that. And, and we need to make sure that we're making those smart investments to enhance that quality of life. So we can make the economic case for uh, uh, bringing businesses here and what the counties and local municipalities have to give up to get uh, a higher return on that.
Can either of you give an example of where that's paid off? And it doesn't necessarily have to be in the city of Atlanta or in Gwinnett. Yeah, I mean, we have some good cases in Atlanta where we've made the decision of what type of tax break to give. Anybody that's building housing that's affordable, we, we will be a partner with you. We will make an investment because that's going to help our families be able to live in the city. So mixed income communities, affordable housing, we want the, the, the school principal, the teacher, and the, the cafeteria worker to all be able to live near where they want to live. And so those things have been paying off really good throughout Atlanta. I can tell you, um, you know, companies that we've incentivized, um, whether that's, I'm trying to think of some that um, have come from far. Like we've given, uh, you know, we, we were working on a deal with Microsoft. We've helped out Google, Airbnb, Visa, some others to come into the city, and they hire locally. Um, and that's part of it. You got to be a part of the local infrastructure of hiring. You got to train people. So what are your investments to our technical colleges or to our uh, institutions that are training people for certification? Because we don't want you to just uh, come into the city with a whole bunch of people that couldn't live, couldn't afford to live in Silicon Valley on $200,000 and you just bring them right here in Atlanta at $200,000 when there's whole communities right there that would love to get you know, six months of training and you're making $100,000 in technology. Why don't you, as you're building that building, do the training and you'll have a workforce as you're doing construction, they're doing training on the ribbon cutting, we walk in with folks that look like Atlanta folks <laughs> that went to Atlanta training that, you know, feel like Atlanta folks, you know what I mean? Instead of like constantly importing folks from the West Coast or from the Northeast. We're real sensitive to that in Atlanta because it shows up in different ways and how people feel excluded in their own communities if they can't get a job in their own community. So we're very much like, if you come in with a workforce plan and you invest in our communities, it works. And so we have uh, great cases where that's been beneficial. Okay. Same. And for us, and I'll, and I'll touch on one of our legacy projects, which is Rowan, and many of the folks in this room have heard about Rowan, which is our, our rivals the research triangle in Raleigh-Durham. But it's the first of its kind in the state of Georgia um, knowledge community that's going to focus on um, technology, environment, agriculture. And it's going to be a 20-year project. The county has fronted significant amount of investments on the front end. But over the next 20 years, it's going to create thousands of jobs by full build-out. And the, the impact is in the billions. And we recognize the significant um, return that that means for bringing uh, access to jobs and quality of life to the eastern corridor of our community. And again, through public-private partnerships and working with the universities, the Rowan Foundation, our Chamber of Commerce, Partnership Gwinnett, our internal economic development team, um, we put um, a number of substantial efforts to, to accelerate growth in that area and make those smart investments because we know what that means down the line. Now, I'm hoping I'm still alive to see it in my lifetime. I think I will. I'm still you young. You should be. I'm younger than you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, but at least it's when we talk about legacy and building for the future, this is something that my son and even possibly his children uh, may benefit from down the line. So we are building for the future. And that's how we have to view economic development, is what does this mean for our children and our grandchildren, and ensuring that there's, they have a prosperous community to live and thrive in. 
Now, Monica, we don't uh, have anything to do with the incentives as the chairwoman and the mayor talked about. But the one thing that does impact the Atlanta Regional Commission as the Metropolitan Planning Organization is any disruption to land use. I think the mayor sort of alluded to it in his response to, to, to a small degree, but we pay very, very close attention to when large companies relocate within the metro Atlanta region, how they respect the locally adopted land use plans and how much they're looking to alter that um, is something that we do pay a lot of attention to. And Mr. Mayor, as you were describing some of the city's priorities for those logos <laughs> that show up, you know, it made me think immediately of the UPS deal that um, Atlanta was so instrumental in making happen in a, a a corridor that was south of I-20 or right by I-20, where those principles were clearly uh, implemented in the acceptance of that um, company coming uh, for the incentive that was provided. That was, I think, a good Great example. Yeah, yeah, an example that came to mind as you were describing it. Oh, thank you. So now let's talk about sports. I'm, I'm going to stop. I got one more question. I'm going to do sports. Promise. <laughs> got to do sports. Come on. We're out here. Let's do it. Because it's a big incentive for, for the entire area. And it connects the entire area. So let's talk about sports. Yeah, sports are a big, you know, economic driver for the city. I mean, not only do we enjoy it in the region to have these great teams and great entertainment opportunities for ourselves, but people come in, they get hotel rooms, they eat at the restaurants, they buy all kinds of, you know, merchandise that goes to our sales tax. So, you know, we have the Peach Bowl, we have the SEC Championship, we have um, the, the the FedEx Cup, we have the World, I mean, the World Championship, Cup, the, the World, World Cup. Cup. Yeah, I'm getting there. I'm, I'm talking about what we just have as a baseline in Atlanta. Peachtree Road Race, Atlanta Tennis Open. We have things all the time that's just sporting events. And then we're going to have FIFA World Cup in 2026. And we have, yeah, we can clap for FIFA World Cup. It's huge games. And before we even get to that, in 2025, we have a football national championship again, the first city to have it twice um, in, under, this new leader, under this new model. And so, what at, team was that? Uh, it was the Georgia Bulldogs that won last time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so we we are attractive as a sports town. People, hundreds of thousands of people every year come here to the Atlanta Convention and Visitors Bureau and also Gwinnett. Everywhere we enjoy all these hotel room stays, restaurants, and all this merchandise and 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 things you know, bars and lounges that people go to. And we, you know, uh, love our city being on the map. Love people seeing the Atlanta Braves logo, etc., and the Falcons. And so it really does benefit us, and um, we're excited about World Cup. And last thing, I, I do want to say this before I turn it over. We, we want World Cup to happen with the region, not to the region. And so we want it to be throughout. So we're planning how we're going to have like scrimmages and watch watch parties and watch events practice. at practice facilities and things for kids to do, things for families to do while the games are going on, but also leading up to the games. Gwinnett is a great place because of the diversity in Gwinnett. This is a place that you could really have scrimmages amongst your population. Different nations could get together. So we're trying to help plan some of that. And it's going to bring uh, economic uh, opportunities, going to bring tourism, but it also brings a sense of pride. 
Yeah, same, and I'll just add quickly because sports really are what makes communities attractive and we're very fortunate and grateful to have local teams like our Gwinnett Stripers or Georgia Swarm. And we are soon getting a professional volleyball team, which I'm really excited about. Yes, shout out. Yes, I, I see you, I see you. I'm not gonna forget about y'all, you know. So this, this, this really is about creating that sense of place and community. We know what that means in terms of attracting jobs and entertainment and and quality of life. And speaking of the World Cup, uh, yes, share some of that with Gwinnett County. We want to be a part of the dialogue and the conversation. We have amazing facilities. We have amazing parks. We have amazing aquatic centers. And um, you know, you name it, we have it. We will work with you all to ensure that we can create a regional destination when the World Cup gets here. You know, we pride ourselves in being um, a global region. Uh, we are one great region, right, Anna? 100%. 100%. And uh, we are want to work together to ensure that that uh, continues forward. And Anna, you have the last word when Just it comes very, to the ARC. Quickly. Oh, yes. Now I was going to answer the sports question now. Okay, let's do sports. <laughs> no, 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 if you'd like to ask something. No, no, no. No, I'm, I mean, I want to end on sports. Well, it, it, it is, it's, it's interesting because sometimes it's hard to define Metro Atlanta's culture because we are a region of migrated um, populations, right? Um, either nationally or internationally. But the one thing you know about Metro Atlanta, it is a sports community. It is a sports culture. Um, the Georgia Swarm, everything that's happening in Gwinnett, for sites, um, vision for for its new massive development and the hockey culture that's growing there. Um, and again, to the point that the mayor made about how we have been able, because of the people and the culture here, to be able to attract major sporting events like the Olympics, like the World Cup, you know, they're not other metro, they're not other regions across the United States who have that brand of sports menship within their culture to be able to make that argument and attract those kinds of sports investments within their region. So it is a part of our culture. You may not be able to define us in many other ways because we're not a monolith, but we love our sports in Metro Atlanta. Ladies and gentlemen, a round of applause for our panelists. Thank you guys for this panel. Ms. Monica, thank you for moderating, but we are so honored to have you address our crowd today on this stage for a speaker series. Thank you so much for being here today. Another round of applause. <laughs> guys, thank you guys, thank you all for being here today. Thanks to our sponsors. Thanks to Proof of the Pudding on site. And please help me give a big round of applause for the Gas South staff who put this thing on today. Thank you all for being with us and have a great afternoon. Thank you.